Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 11th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosmanreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. I'm not Eeyore as... Uh, as the result of Monday's game might suggest, uh, God, I, I, we're going to have to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it very long. I'll probably talk about it longer than the Magic were actually involved in the game itself. Uh, you know, Frankly, full, full admission here, uh, I did not watch the game. I was at a Passover Seder, uh, so happy Passover to all my Jewish uh, friends out there. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of this game, but uh, just watching the scoreboard, I, I got the gist, and even watching the postgame, Afterward, I got a pretty good idea of what happened. So full full disclosure there uh, on that. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the Magic's failure of these last two games because I do think that that there was an opportunity to to do something. Uh, and I agree with I actually agree with Frank Vogel on this that they did have an opportunity to to, to show and prove something these last two games, and and maybe they did. So I'll talk a little bit about the ramifications of losing to the Indiana Pacers and the Chicago Bulls, these last two outings. And then finally, uh, it's the last week of the season. There's there's one game left this season. Uh, I'm going to just highlight some of the some of the things that, that we need to be watching as Magic fans in these final two days of the NBA regular season as some big, big things will get decided. A big chunk, a big part of the Magic's future uh, could very well get decided in the next two games. So we'll, we'll talk our next two days. Uh, so I'll, I'll highlight those, just give you something to keep an eye on here in these final days. Uh, like I said, we're kind of wrapping things up a little bit, so I'm, I'm holding some content back for when the season officially ends. Uh, of course, we'll have a lot coming from exit interviews on Thursday. We'll have a lot uh, from Magic's home finale on Wednesday against the Detroit Pistons. Uh, and of course, we'll have, uh, as I promised, uh, we're, we're planning on having a, a, a guest on the podcast on Friday. So Lots going on here as we begin to deconstruct this Orlando Magic season, this disappointing Orlando Magic season. And uh, let's start, I guess, with the Magic's loss to the Chicago Bulls. It seems like any other, it seems like the best place to start, I guess. And uh, the final score says it all Chicago Bulls 122, Orlando Magic 75, the largest margin of defeat in Orlando Magic franchise history. So, Setting records, at least, I guess. If you're going to lose, I always say, if you're going to fail, fail spectacularly. Uh, and, and that's what this is. Orlando was out of this game from the very beginning. I, I, I turned my phone on, you know, before we were eating dinner in the, during a break in the Seder uh, and saw that it was 12 to 2, about three and a half minutes in the game. I was like, well, thanks for showing up, Magic. Uh, that's, that's good to know. They were down 34 13 after one quarter, down 64 37 at halftime. Again, Never in the game. Orlando trailed by as much as 47, the final margin of defeat. Orlando had a 2-0 lead, so they actually, I guess, gave up a 12-0 run. Like I said, I'm playing catch-up on this game. I did not watch it live, uh, and uh, 
frankly, when I saw the score, I, I, I didn't see much reason to take the time and effort to stay up and, and watch it in full. But it, 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 judging from, from the reports that I saw, from, from, the, from, what, I said, from what I saw uh, and what I heard from the coaching staff, it, it seemed like the Magic were just really pressing offensively. They were trying too hard to get baskets, and they weren't scoring. And defensively, they just they just didn't have it. They, they completely dropped the ball on the defensive end, as has been the case for a good chunk of the season. Um, and specifically lately, as I noted in in, the, in yesterday's podcast, uh, the Magic have been bad defensively and even worse defensively since the All-Star break. So there seems to be no sign, no sign of, of respite for this unit, uh, and uh, I guess the only sign of respite is is that there's only one game left and that the season will be over fairly shortly. Um, Orlando shoots 34.5% uh, for the game, 5 for 27 from beyond the arc. Chicago shoots 53.9%, 12 for 26 from beyond the arc. These are that very similar to actually to uh, the Indiana game where the Magic just gave up points very easily. Um it's a revolving door, it feels like. Orlando's just unable to get baskets. Uh, I was in the car listening to the fourth quarter when Jimmy Butler hit a uh, hit a one-handed uh, alley-oop to, uh, to uh, pretty much not, not clinch the game. The game was over. I mean, it was a 29-point game when I got in the car to begin the fourth quarter. Uh, and it's just one of those efforts where the Magic were just never in it. And, and you're going to have nights where you don't have it, but... You still need to rely on your defense. You still need to have some pride to go out there and play. And uh, Frank Vogel said afterwards, it, it feels like the Magic have lost some steam, uh, that the Magic are not kind of getting themselves going in the right direction uh, as the season ends. And and after kind of being very high on them and saying, uh, you know, we've been preparing the right way, I, I'm really impressed with how engaged everyone's been despite being out of the playoffs. It seems like, we're at the stage where the Magic are getting punched, and they're just saying, "We're done. We're gonna, we're gonna pack it in. We see the finish line up ahead, and uh, we're going to uh, kind of be done for the season." I guess uh, it's it's not a good place to be at all. Um, not at all where you want the Magic to be. Not at all where uh, the team needs to be. But that's where we are. We've got one game left: the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday, eight o'clock tip off. Uh, neither team playing for anything. Both teams eliminated from the playoffs, and so uh, who knows what to expect in that game? Who knows even who's going to play? Uh, looks like Detroit's going to be shorthanded for point guards. Looks like they're going to play Michael Gibney uh, for really one of the first times all year. Um, it it could be a, a really kind of ugly, ugly game, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about some of the lottery implications that are involved. Let's run through some final stats for you. Um, I've exhausted my knowledge on this game uh, to this point. Um, Terrence Ross living up to the uh, Orlando Magic Daily Jinx. Three points, one for five shooting after I uh, wrote a nice piece, a nice post about him. Nikola Vucevic, 14 points, 6 for 14 shooting, 10 rebounds, 5 offensive rebounds. Evan Fournier, 14 points, 6 for 13 shooting. Aaron Gordon, 10 points, 4 for 6 from the floor, 6 rebounds. All these in about 27, 28 minutes uh, of action for those players. Again, just not a lot going on. Uh, for the Magic on either end of the floor. They couldn't get shots to fall, and they weren't stopping anyone on defense. Uh, Mario Zonia, two points, two for nine, two for six from beyond the arc. So, uh, you know, again, you could you're, you're, look like you're scoring a lot of points, and, and the Magic didn't have a great leading score, just not shooting the ball effectively. Orlando shoots 34.5% from the floor, five for 27 from beyond the arc. They can't get to the line, 12 for 16 from the, from the foul line. That's that's it. That's done. That's, that's your ball game if you're the Orlando Magic. Uh, and and that's all that needs to be said. It was a 
to 75 defeat to the Chicago Bulls in the final road game of the year. It and I hate saying this because I, I don't like saying this because it has such negative connotations, but it felt like a give-up game where the Magic took a punch, just kind of packed it in, and, and we're done. And with the finish line so close, you know, maybe maybe who can blame them? Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. But each game does mean something. Even for a team that's out of the playoff race with nothing to play for. There is still something to show, still something to prove, still a game that you can play to make something happen. And that's what Frank Vogel tried to do these last two games. The Indiana Pacers and Chicago Bulls were in must-win situations these last two games. They absolutely needed to win these games. And the Magic were standing in their way. You take a look at the Brooklyn Nets and what they did to Chicago the other night. You look at how the Los... I mean, the freaking Los Angeles Lakers have won four in a row. These are teams that have nothing to play for. The Lakers have every reason to lose, and I'll explain why in a moment, but they have every reason to lose. And they're still playing hard. And they're still winning games. D'Angelo Russell hitting that emotional three-point shot Sunday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And it meant a lot to him for, for personal reasons. But again, you cannot tell me winning does not matter for young players. That telling young players you're going to lose tonight doesn't do damage to them. I get the lottery implications. I'll talk about them in a moment. I'm not blind to them. But the way you play matters. And this is not some young magic team. This is not some team with rookies who don't know anything about the NBA and are just playing hard and can't do anything about it. These are essentially veterans. Nikola Vucevic has been in the league forever, or for a long for a while now, six years. Evan Fournier has been in the league for five years. They're on their second contracts. There are veterans up and down that bench. Aaron Gordon's been in the league for three years. And and you know, I'm sing- singling out the wrong guys because Gordon plays hard, Vucevic plays hard. Um, they may not play effectively, but they play hard. They have, and a lot of these guys haven't accomplished anything. They have no reason not to buy in and not to believe in what the team is trying to do and not trust that the coaching staff knows what it's trying to do. They have no reason not to. And I think that's the biggest disappointment of the season, that the Magic had everything to gain and they simply couldn't do it. And now with nothing to lose, they it's not that they don't care. It's that they don't reach a level that they need to reach. Frank Vogel, before Saturday's game against the Indiana Pacers, sat in the media room before for his pregame availability and told the media what his plans were 
for these games against the Indiana Pacers and the Chicago Bulls. And he said he was treating these games like they were playoff games. And he wanted his team to treat them like they were their playoff game. And it was going to be a chance to really begin to evaluate the roster. It was something like a final exam. When you have a young team that misses the playoffs, you want them to feel playoff intensity. And uh, you know that's what these games should feel like for our guys. And uh, th- this is how we should treat these games uh, for 2017 in the spring. This is our playoffs. And uh, you know, we're going to go out there and uh, compete as, as if it's game one of a first-round matchup. And um, you know, we're going to play against a team that's uh, playing with that type of intensity. Our opponent in, in that locker room is going to play with that type of intensity. So um, you know, it's a good measuring stick for us to see where we're at and you know, all the habits that we've kind of built uh, you know, to this point. Um, you know, I'm looking hard at these two games to, to measure where we're at going into the offseason. Unequivocally, the Magic failed this test. A 127-112 loss to the Indiana Pacers where the Magic did not defend at all. Give up 39 points in the first quarter. They really, I mean, they kept pace. They were able to stay in the game for a little bit. But they were really out of it. And Paul George upped his game, scoring 37 points, 22 in the first half. They failed game one. It's going on the road. Game two, got to even the series. Got to play well, right? 122-75 to the Bulls. The largest defeat in Magic history. And with this expectation, with this mindset that Vogel had, you can begin to understand why he seemed so frustrated more frustrated than the normal and, and more disappointed than normal in his team following the game. You got a lot of our defense wasn't good enough. We weren't good enough. Uh, you know, we cha- uh, Saturday he said we challenged the team at every timeout and they didn't rise to the challenge. What does that say? What does that say about this team? What does this say about the players? that the Magic are going to keep. What's that say about what direction the Magic should go? Orlando, I mean, these two games, let's not overblow their importance. The Magic, after all, are a 27-win team, 28-win team, whatever they are, 28-win team, playing up against teams that need to win. Chicago and Indiana, Paul George certainly played like his team absolutely needed that win. Chicago played like they absolutely needed that win. And the Magic didn't match because it's human nature. The Magic don't need these wins. They're not playing for anything. Frank Vogel's idea of saying these are our playoffs, let's pretend. What are the consequences of losing? And that's not like a big culture statement. That's reality. So, you can't put a lot into these games. You can't say for certain, oh, these two games are a sign that the Magic should scrap everything and restart completely. That's probably taking it a little too far. But, it does say something, to me at least, that the Magic didn't take Vogel's mindset seriously. 
it says something to me that when they faced playoff pressure, they decided not to meet match it. They decided, for lack of a better term, to quit. They didn't do that Saturday. Saturday they they played hard, and I would argue in, in some of these losses lately, the the quote unquote competitive spirit's been fine. The Magic are trying hard; they're just not good enough. Saturday their defense was simply not good enough. They did not execute their game plan well. They struggled to communicate, and and they just weren't on the same page. They were set behind, and you know maybe some practice decisions that have been made lately of, of not having practice or, or scaling back some practices has caught up to the team a little bit on that end. Even for a tanking team, though, even for a team that isn't good, that is probably going to lose these games anyway, losing by 47 points is simply unacceptable. And we've had to say that not 47 points, obviously. But we've had to say that after 30-point loss, after 30-point loss, after 30-point loss, so many times this year. This loss is unacceptable, even for a tanking team. you got to show some effort. you got to put some fight up. you got to be willing to go to the end, push teams to their limits. And if you have the chance to win, steal a victory. That's what you want to see. As I've said for a long time now, this Magic team is probably not good enough to win most of those games. But you at least want to see them fight. You at least want to see them go after it. And I think that's what Vogel was after more than anything else. It's not as important. I mean, it, it'd be nice if they won these games in, in, in his mind. But it's not as important that they win these games. It's more important that they get tested. That they go under the fire of playoff battle. Of, of a team playing with playoff intensity because their season depends on it. And to come out on the other end with your head with either your head held high or with a victory. There are some moral victories right now. The Magic it needed forced Russell Westbrook to go ham to beat them. They went toe-to-toe with the Boston Celtics coming a, a layup short of beating the top team in the Eastern Conference at their place in Mar in April or March, whatever, whatever it was. It's March. Those would have had meaning. Those would have said something about this team. And maybe they still do. But so do these two games. They couldn't rise to the challenge of these teams battling for the playoffs. Because in October, that's what we thought this Magic team would be. Back in October, we were hoping beyond hope that that the Magic would be playing the Indiana Pacers and the Chicago Bulls and the Detroit Pistons in meaningful games. That those games would be determining this team's future. It would be a more short-term future than it is now. But maybe it did determine the team's future. Maybe these games and the collection of these moments and frustrations are a sign that the Magic need a new direction. That this combination of players simply do not work. And do not work in a much more fundamental way than they're just not good enough. That they need upgrades. That 
there is something very deeply embedded into this team's culture. And I don't know where it started or how it started. But something is very deeply embedded into this team's culture where they're not able to bring the fight consistently. I asked on OrlandoMagicDaily.com and the sidebar to, to this game. How far are the Orlando Magic from the playoffs? When the rebuild first began, I thought it'll be three or four years. They'll need some. They'll need a few years to build up their talent base, start building some forward momentum, and then be able to make a, a push, grow naturally into it. And after year three, when the Magic won 20, 23 games, 20, no, 25 games that year, I said this was a little bit of a setback. They might still be two years away. So year four, that would have been last year. No, that would have been this year, actually would be the year that the team would make the playoffs. And I was encouraged by last year. 35-win season, 10-win improvement. Things were beginning to look a little bit up. They, they formed a fledgling identity. They were still young. They needed the experience. They probably needed the right veteran. It was probably time to make a strike on a free agent or take a risk on a trade, but not to reform the whole roster. And of course, the coaching changes didn't help matters either. I sit here today after 81 games of this frustrating season. After watching these two games where, and again, I've, I've been saying this for a long time, I'm merely holding the team to the standard they set for themselves. So I sit here after 81 games. After two games where the coach said, these are our playoff games, where we're going to see what our team is made of. It's our measuring stick game. I sit here and say, I don't know when the Magic are going to make the playoffs again. It probably depends on what they get in the lottery. It probably depends on who they draft and how quickly they can develop. It probably depends on how whoever the GM is makes decisions on players currently on the roster. What can you get for Nikola Vucevic? Can Bismack Miyambo be a starting center? Can you get more shooting? Where does Evan Fournier fit? Can Mario Azonia develop? Can Aaron Gordon develop? Is Alfred Payton really the starting point guard of the future? Every piece of this roster has questions. And I don't anticipate the Magic doing a full rebuild. And I actually still do anticipate the Magic saying, we believe we're close to the playoffs and we're going to take steps to to get there sooner rather than later. And maybe that means taking more gambles that may or may not pay out and kind of being stuck where they are now, making perhaps slight improvements that hurt draft position or whatever. I can't say when the Magic are going to make the playoffs again. And I would venture to guess this is the most uncertain the Magic's future has ever been. The only other time I can think of a point in Magic history that felt this... Hopeless probably isn't the right word, but this bleak was the 1991 season. The 1991-92 season. 
Excuse me. That was year three of the Magic's franchise history. The team had lost its honeymoon phase. They were mired, I think that year they went 20 and 62 or 21 and 61. They didn't have a star. They didn't have much to build around. Nick Anderson was a good player, but not a great player. And they went into the lottery, hoping beyond hope to be the one that would reveal the number 32 jersey hiding behind the dais in New York. Frankly, there is no Shaquille O'Neal in this upcoming draft. Markel Fultz is a nice player. Lonzo Ball is a nice player. Josh Jackson's a nice player. I'm not convinced even winning the lottery will fix everything entirely. It'll help. And it'll buy time with the fans too. But it's going to take more than that to get this team back into the playoff picture. And right now, I don't even think you should worry about the playoffs. I think right now, what the Magic need more than anything else is the ability to sell the fans hope. And it feels like right now, as we finish this season, that is on the shortest supply that we've ever seen. In the spirit of providing some hope, there are still a few things to look out for as the season comes to a close. There are still some scenarios to watch for in the final two days of the regular season. And some things to think about as we prepare for the offseason. And essentially what I'm going to do in, in these final four or five minutes of the show is explain the different draft scenarios that can play out. And there's three of them that we have to watch here. Explain the different draft scenarios the Orlando Magic face the rest of the way. First is their first round pick. The Orlando Magic are currently slated to have the fourth or fifth best odds. Actually, it's slated to have the fourth best lottery odds uh, in the NBA draft lottery. They are tied with the Philadelphia 76ers. And if you look at the conference standings, you'll probably notice that Orlando is listed ahead of Philadelphia. Orlando won the tiebreaker 3-1 over Philadelphia, so the Magic in the standings are ahead of the 76ers. That does not mean the Magic get fewer lottery combinations than the Sixers. Unlike the playoffs, and unlike the standings, when it comes to the lottery, if two teams are tied, regardless of their season series or head-to-head matchups or any other tiebreakers, they split the lottery combinations assigned to their spots. So the Magic and Sixers both have one game left. The Sixers also lost on Monday, so they are tied heading into the final game of the season. The Magic and the Sixers, if they both win or both lose on Wednesday, would split the fourth best lottery odds, the fourth and fifth best lottery odds. And according to tankathon.com, our good pals there, that would mean 
they each get about a 33% chance of landing in the top three and about a 10% chance of the top overall pick. Now, here's the catch. There are 200 and I think it's 207 lottery combinations. Let me double check that. I, I wrote this down. There are 207 lottery combinations. So if you finish fourth, you get 119. There's the I, I don't know if I've explained how the lottery works. If you don't know how the lottery works, this is basically how the lottery works. There are four drums with the numbers 1 through 14 on ping pong balls placed inside those drums. And the way it works is you draw a single number out of each drum. And so you get, you know, you can get 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, 4, 5, 7, 8, you know, like that. And those, so essentially 1 through 14 in uh, in four drums gets you 1,001 combinations. Those combinate, so each combination is then assigned to a specific team. So, um, and it's not done randomly, which I think really needs to change. I think that's the part that the lottery needs to change is they need to, to change the distribution of those combinations. Because right now, if you're the if you're the, the Brooklyn Nets or slash Boston Celtics, um, if you're the Boston Celtics, you get the first 250 number combinations starting with one 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 one, and so on down the line. Um, so that's how the lottery works, and so you're not. You know, so the ping pong balls is really you're being assigned a number of number of four number combinations to win the lottery. Uh, and so, if the Magic and Sixers are tied, they split the 207 lottery combinations between them, with and I believe this is the case, a coin flip determining who gets that extra combination and who gets I think the first combination. I, I'll double I'll double check that before we get to the lottery. Um, this is kind of the basic... I just want to list out the scenarios that we'll be watching. So, there is a lot of incentive for both the Magic and Sixers to lose on Wednesday and just take the split. If one wins and one loses, that's the difference between 119 and 88 lottery combinations. To say the least, I'm not expecting Frank Vogel to play his starters very long on Wednesday. Wednesday could be a very, very ugly basketball game from both the Magic and the Pistons. The Pistons only have one active point guard right now because uh, Ben Udra got hurt, and they've shut down Reggie Jackson. So, the Magic and the Sixers are battling for fourth and fifth, and so that's the first first game or series to watch uh, this Wednesday. Magic and Sixers are currently tied. They both win. They split the combinations. They both lose. They split the combinations. One win, one loses. Then we get some difference differences. Okay, that one's that one's easy. That one's pretty straightforward. And I'm glad I explained the lottery there. Um, I'm sure I'll explain it again later. The next one that's really interesting is the Los Angeles Lakers. I think many of you have heard about the Los Angeles Lakers pick and are like, Wait, what? Wait, what's the deal with that? Why are we cheering for the Lakers to get to give up their pick this year? Well, okay. Besides the fact that it's fun to see the Lakers uh, get get beat and 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 have misfortune, um, there's actually a lot going on here. Let's go back to 2012. The Los Angeles Lakers made two deals that summer. The first, they traded Steve Nash, or they required Steve Nash from the Phoenix Suns. 
and sent out two future first-round picks. They've already given one of those to the Phoenix Suns. The other pick in that trade was eventually traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. So the Philadelphia 76ers own this future first-round pick, and it is top three protected this year in 2017. So the Lakers keep their pick as long as it's in the top three. That's the first part of the story. Also that summer, the Los Angeles Lakers acquired Dwight Howard from the Orlando Magic. And in return, they sent a pick, a future first-round pick to the Orlando Magic. And it was decreasingly protected. So at the beginning, it was a lottery-protected pick. It was a lottery-protected pick in 2014. Then it became top 10 protected. Then it became top 3 protected. And then by 2019, it became fully unprotected. So if the Magic do not get... So if the Magic were to get this pick in 2019, and this is the relevant part, they would get it no matter where it falls. That sounds great, doesn't it? Here's the catch. If the Magic do not get that pick by 2019, it becomes two second-round picks, one in 2017 and one in 2018. So the Magic have the potential to get a very high second-round pick in this year's draft. So what's the relationship between this pick that was sent to the Suns and then later to the Sixers and this pick with the Magic? Well, the NBA has what's called the Ted Stepien rule. If you don't know who Ted Stepien is, he was the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the, I think, 70s and 80s. And he would do this thing where he would just trade his draft picks away like they were not like they were nothing because he didn't want rookies on his team. And the, all the other owners got really upset because he was giving away like high value players, potential players to the Lakers, the Celtics, like any teams that would just gobble them up. And so the NBA created a rule that said you cannot trade your pick as a future pick in consecutive years. So, for example here, the Magic traded their pick technically last year, right? They traded DeMontis Savonis. That does not count against the Stepien rule. The Magic can trade their pick this year if they so chose because they used that pick first before trading it. Now, if the Magic had traded that pick, let's say... Let's say the Magic trade their pick this year for whatever reason, and they don't have a second or first round pick. So you have to have at least one first round pick that you own entering draft day, essentially. So let's say the Magic trade their pick this year. They would not be able to trade next year's pick until they used it. That's how the Stepien rule works. Roughly. I mean, I I think it's more of a... If the Magic didn't have their pick in 2019, then they wouldn't be able to trade the 2018 pick. And that's the situation the Lakers find themselves in now. The Lakers are top three protected this year for the Sixers, but next year they are completely unprotected. So next year the Lakers lose their pick, no matter what, if they don't give it to the Sixers. And because of that condition, the Magic cannot get the 2019 pick if the Lakers don't give it up this year. So it is 
I wouldn't say vitally important, but it's pretty important for the Magic that the Lakers lose this pick this season. All right, you with me here? So essentially, you're cheering for the Lakers to lose the lottery and fall out of the top three, thus giving their pick to the Philadelphia 76ers and giving their 2019 first-round pick to the Orlando Magic. So where are the Lakers at in all this? Well, they're currently 25-55. and Uh, They've won four games in a row, and they're third in the lottery standings. Philadelphia and Orlando cannot catch them, so they are locked into third. Their best record, they'll play two more games. They have a back-to-back coming up. They play New Orleans on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, They play New Orleans on Tuesday in their home finale. If they win one more game, they will be locked into the third spot in the the lottery. So we're cheering on them to win one more game because that will ensure that they get the worst possible pick that they can or the worst possible chance that they can. The difference between being second in the lottery order and third in the lottery order is pretty significant. 55.8% chance of getting into the lottery or getting a top three pick if you have the second most lottery odds and a 46.9% chance if you're third. So essentially, it's worse than a coin flip if you're third. And the Magic should be cheering hard for the Lakers to land third because more likely than not, they wouldn't get a top three pick. Again, the Magic are cheering hard for the Lakers to fall out of the top three. That's the only way they get that 2019 first-round pick they're owed from the Dwight Howard trade. If they don't get that, then it becomes a second-round pick in this year's draft as well as a second-round pick in next year's draft. So that's something to keep an eye on uh, for the Magic this this year or for the for, for in the last two games here to make sure that the Lakers win one more game and get stuck in third. And stuck is the operative word here. The final draft pick that we want to take a look at, the final scenario we're watching, is the battle between the LA Clippers and the Utah Jazz and the Toronto Rap and the Toronto Raptors. As part of the Serge Ibaka deal, the Orlando Magic received the worst of Toronto's two first-round picks. Toronto acquired a first-round pick from the from the LA Clippers, and they have their own pick. Orlando will get whichever one is worse of the two. Now, the Raptors and Clippers are both 50 and 31, so they have one game remaining, which means the lowest the pick can fall is 26. The Raptors and Clippers are currently slated to pick 24th and 25th, so the Magic would then receive the 25th pick. They're both 15 and 31, so the, the best record that they, the best, the worst that the Magic can get is 26th. The best that they can get is 23, probably even 24. And the tie breaking procedures for ties later in the draft, I believe, are still just a coin flip. So the Magic will get a pick in the early 20s. So keep a little bit of an eye on this. Uh, as the Clippers and Jazz are tied and, and they're fighting for playoff positioning, so they both have impetus to win, uh, as well as uh, Toronto fighting to maybe possibly get to the second, the third seed in the or second seed in the Eastern Conference, they have an impetus to win too, and so the Magic are likely to pick 24, 25 
uh, with this pick. So that's something else to keep an eye on as we get to the end of the season. Again, just two games, two days left in the regular season. Most teams only have one game left. There's a few teams playing back-to-backs, um, the Lakers being one of them. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on these scenarios and, and finding out what the final draft and lottery orders are. Uh, so there's still some intrigue here in the last few days of the season. That's, that's That was the point of explaining these scenarios, getting them out on the table uh, as, obviously, the Magic are very focused on the draft. And, and, of course, I think one of the more fun scenarios to watch is the way that this Eastern Conference is ending. Uh, Chicago getting the big win over Orlando. Miami squeaking by Cleveland uh, to stay in the playoff hunt. Chicago controls their own destiny. A win uh, on Wednesday over the Brooklyn Nets. Gets them in the playoffs. Miami's desperately trying to get in as well. So some some fun games here uh, toward the end of the season. Indiana could even fall out of the... I think Indiana can even fall out of the playoffs under certain scenarios too uh, at, at 41 wins. So um, going to be interesting to see how this NBA regular season ends. And of course, the playoffs are coming up shortly thereafter. And it'll be it'll be fun. I mean, the playoffs are always fun, even, even without the Magic. I have gone way over my time here. I want to thank you all again for listening to Locked On Magic. Been a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, except for the, the game that that game sucked. That, that that was just a bad game. I'm glad I didn't watch it. Uh, very glad to have spent time with family, which I don't get to do a lot during the season, uh, and, and enjoy a little bit of the holiday as well. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like it on Facebook at Locked On Magic. We'll have the companion articles here um, from OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And you can, of course, follow Orlando, follow me and follow Orlando Magic Daily at OmagicDaily on Twitter. And be sure to like us at Orlando Magic Daily on Facebook. Do you have any questions or comments about the show, things you want us to cover, uh, advertising inquiries, anything like that, be sure to, to email us at OmagicDaily at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from all of you as we wrap up this season. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Wright. I'll see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.